Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and uh, tonight we're here with Colin. Hey, guys. And we don't have anybody else here with us tonight. It's just us. Uh, everybody else had everything to do. So uh, just kind of going around. I know it's been kind of a, a basketball field week, which is fine, but any anything you saw interesting, you know, in the last seven days or so you want to talk about? Uh, I'm trying to think back over the last seven days. Roughly the last seven days. Since we, it's been, I don't know, what, 12 days since we've been on air? 10, or 10 days, something like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably the most interesting thing, at least from the teams that I cover, is Chris Warren had a uh, hamstring injury, and he's going to be out the rest of spring for Texas. Yeah, I saw that. That was one of the things in my news and notes for today. So, yeah, that's definitely, definitely, hopefully going to be okay for them. I mean, have you heard anything else other than them saying he's going to be out for practices? That's all I heard. No, I just said, it, you know, I don't know exactly what the injury is with his hamstring, but that was part of the reason he missed time during this past season. So that's always a concern if it's a repetitive injury. I don't know that's the case, but I mean it kind of bodes well for the other guys. You know, you you kind of know what Chris Warren is. He's a really good back. Yeah. So get to see what the other guys can do. And I will say from a couple of shows ago, the guy's name that I could not think of is Kirk Johnson. Oh, that other one. That was okay. a running back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean. For Warren, you're obviously going to need him. I mean, that's that's going to be, I, I think, probably their best back returning. I mean, am I forgetting anybody? No, he okay. is. He's the he's the guy. And it's, you know, I don't know how bad the hamstring injury is, if it's like he's going to be injured the whole spring or if it's just let's get him healthy for the season. Yeah, which hopefully that's all it is. Yeah, hopefully that's, that's probably what it is. And, uh, I mean, I know they're kind of excited about Tennille Carter, but I, to me it feels like Warren's definitely going to have to be your workhorse. Um I know just, you know, for me, interesting things. It didn't seem like we had too much crazy Baylor news, but we did get Art Bryles kind of breaking his silence. Uh, let's see, what was that? Uh, yesterday, they had a coach's uh, convention, I guess, if you want to call it, in, in Bur- at Alabama, Birmingham, or a- UAB. Yeah, uh, they had a little thing there. And, um, they you know, afterwards, uh, this is according to AL.com, which I guess is Alabama.com or something like that. They cover a lot of uh, football news and notes. I've seen a lot of them. So, um, they, they asked him afterwards, um, and basically he decided the, uh, you know, no disclosure agreement or whatever he has with Baylor saying that he can't say anything about this stuff. But he did say that he hopes to coach for about the next 10 years. And, you know, he's 61, 62, something like that. So he's wanting to coach longer. Um, and apparently from the little tidbits that he said during the meeting, um, sounded like he may have had some prospects in the next year or so of people interested in him. So, and that even to in the college level. So I don't know. Um, my question is to you: If you're a college, would you touch him with a ten foot pole? No way. I, I I agree with Brenda Tracy. I saw she tweeted this out after it happened. That basically anybody who reaches out to our Bryles is condoning everything that he stood for during that period. Yeah, and, I totally agree with that. And you know, and I'll be the first to say Brenda Tracy sometimes I think is a little too vocal on some of these things. Um, I don't know. I, I get why she is, and I'm glad at what she. I'm all about what she's trying to do and in getting these schools better educated. But in this in this particular subject, I do kind of agree with her. I yeah, think I she's. Um, you just can't. At least until he comes clean. And I feel like if he'll come clean and say, "Okay, I screwed up," and all that, and then to some degree, 
you might could look into bringing him in, but I don't know that it's ever going to be a college campus. I, I think an NFL team, if they wanted to bring him in as a, you know, a passing a coordinator or something like that, I'd be all for. I just don't know how you – time would have to seriously pass. Somewhere he's not on the field and in the public eye. I could see an advisor non-coaching role, you know, something like that. But I just don't. I just don't – he's the basically the name for the probably the largest – sexual assault type deal in college football history in yeah my, in my opinion yeah and, and, and the thing is we're not even to the end of it yet yeah. it's like you know all these other ones you kind of got over in a year or two and this one just keeps on coming and keeps on coming and it's that thing i've been talking about for two years on between us and the show now um just this or i guess about a year and a half this slow drip of news that just you start to see it coming and then when it happened about a year ago and then you know just uh it just i don't know I'm just I'm sick of having to see it, but at the same time we have to talk about it because it's part of the news and part of the landscape of the game. So, um, about here's the thing I'm curious about too. While we're on the subject, his assistants would you be willing to touch his assistants, or do you feel like they were just answering to authority with I what would, we know? I wouldn't say that they were answering to authority. I don't. It's a little bit different on that. I don't know if they can be kind of blacklisted the same way. Mm-hmm. I probably personally I wouldn't touch him, but mm-hmm. I don't think that the stigma is going to be attached to them like it is to Bryles. Obviously. And like I brought up here with the Tulsa coach, you know, everybody forgets about him. He was brought into it. Yeah. Uh, his name leaves me at the moment. But Philip Montgomery. Montgomery, yeah. Um, you know, everybody forgets that he left a year before the news broke and all of a sudden he doesn't get associated with any of it. Now, I'm not saying he's guilty, but I'm also saying nobody seems to bother to want to find out either. Yeah. And Tulsa's having a lot of success and everything's fine. So, obviously us living less than an hour from Tulsa, it's kind of, you know, something we watch quite a bit. But... You know, I don't know. We'll see with that. I don't know. I just don't know how you – he seems to, you know, back on the point of I'll be coaching for 10 years or I want to coach for 10 years. He seems to feel like he's got some interested people, so we'll see. Um, I'd be interested to see what college thinks they have the credibility to step out <laughs> and make that move. So um, kind of moving forward and, you know, kind of starting out with the week in review. I know the ba- the one little bit of Baylor news we did, the furthest away, and just because it's the furthest thing, so it's the first on here. The Baylor AD – uh, you know, he's, he said he's going to cooperate with the NCAA, and, you know, basically his quote is, the NCAA investigation will lead us where it leads us. And basically, as to say, whatever happens, happens. Like, he doesn't – it almost feels like he knows some things are going to come up, and he's just saying, okay, wherever this thing ends up, this ends up, you know. Um, you know, should he be – I guess what I'm saying is, should he be like, let's hang everybody and really be trying to take charge to push divert away from – you know, what's been going on there recently, or how do you think he should handle this? I think that's probably, you know, I think that's what he has to do. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that you want to go out and start throwing information to the NCAA, but you definitely don't want to cover anything up. Exactly. So I, if you, yeah. you make the information available to, to you, you know, it, it had nothing to do with him. He wasn't at the school at the time. That's the deal with the whole new administration. Put it all out there, whatever they find. Like you said, whatever they find, they find. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that's what he does. Because I, I, if there's any more people covering up anything, I, it's just going to be sickening. Like, it's gotten to the ridiculousness point. Um, you know, and there's and that's to say, you know, that's not even counting the few things that have happened now. Yeah. You know, that they've got to – and is that tied? I, did, I have such a hard time believing these are isolated incidents. When you're getting t- – on the ones that involve – you know, what was the one? It was texting the teens – you know, I don't have that one right in front of me, but he was texting the teenage girl, you know, or whatever, just things like that. I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, also mean football operations. Yeah, it's just, and they've all been tied to people, the new people under, supposed to be under his, you know, under that new regime and everything, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I know he was quoted that he said, I don't know that I have any deeper concerns when it comes with the, their involvement with the scandal. 
But and that basically, other than there's what the information is that's out there, um, according to him, they're still learning more. You know, they, they're still figuring things out. You know, which I imagine. Obviously, he wasn't there, so he didn't know everything when he got there. But you know, I'm sure he knows quite a bit by now as far as to what could have happened or what did happen. So um, you know, we'll see. I just I, I kind of wish we could get to the end of this thing. But all right, uh, moving on to the next subject of the day. Uh, a few days after that. We had Bidet, some people call him Bidet, <laughs> Jeff Bidet, Bidet, depending on what school you're rooting for. Uh, he came from Kentucky. He is a transfer, transferring to Oklahoma, was uh, Kentucky's leading receiver. Any thoughts and opinions on that one? I know we talked about it a few days ago off the air, but. It's another, you know, it's a, another graduate transfer receiver for OU. They've had success with him. Yeah. Just gives him additional depth. Nothing wrong with that. And, I mean, I know some people are <clears throat> pointing to his size, but, I mean, that's a Big 12 receiver. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's... they're not, you know, we don't have that many receivers in this league that are just overwhelmingly big. And if we do, they usually aren't key players in, in these offenses. Well, and, and numbers aside, you you have to throw any numbers that he has from the SEC, from Kentucky, you kind of throw that aside because it could be totally different in the Big 12 with the amount of passes that are thrown. Well, yeah, I mean, not to say that they don't know how to cover passing schemes and stuff in the in the SEC, but... I mean, they don't see the kind of things, you know, he's not, he he didn't see the kind of coverages he's going to see in this league and the kind of guys that can run with him. You know, he's used to probably being a smaller, faster guy that can hurt some guys on the field. And there's going to be DBs covering the same size, you know, that can run with him and all that. So, um, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I think he's obviously going to help. I don't think he's going to hurt. So uh, he had 31 catches for 670 yards last season. So that's, I mean, nothing that's to sneeze good. at. You know, that that's actually really similar. And I'm not insinuating anything, so don't start lighting me up on Twitter. But it's really similar to the numbers that Didi Westbrook had last year before he came, you know, two years ago before he had this last season uh, when he was the number two receiver at Oklahoma. So I, I know, completely different situations, but I'm just saying that's nothing to sneeze at. So uh, kind of moving along with the news and notes that we've had recently, um, Rudolph Washington, uh, Rudolph Washington, I read that wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> Rudolph and Washington uh, were listed as among the best fourth-year players to return, uh, especially in the league. Any other guys, you know, you're interested in throwing out there? Uh, like be Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, whatever. Fourth-year guys? Yeah, fourth-year guys, seniors and things like that. I'm trying to think of a few, too. Look depth charts. I yeah, know, I know. There's, there's just that. not – they, they kind of led the top of it there. Uh, as far as fifth-year guys, you had uh, Baker Mayfield. This was a study that was done by ESPN. Uh, Baker Mayfield was leading the way on the fifth-year guys. So – you know, one thing I will say, and the reason I brought this up, the one thing I will say, in recent years, the Big 12 has been kind of knocked because when they start doing, like, these best players in the country thing, you don't really see a lot of them out there. And everybody, we, I know we said it on the show, I've heard other people say it, um, you know, just wait, the Big 12 is kind of young. And it, it has been. It's been young as a conference, especially when you're talking about the key big uh, offensive playmaker type guys. Um, the league's been young. It's kind of on its cycle back. You know, we talk about how cyclical these things can be. The SEC is definitely on its way down, or you know, from where it's been. Um, the Big 12's come up. I think the Pac-12 is kind of in an idle. Uh, the Big Ten's obviously up, so you're kind of seeing that. And I feel like you're going to start seeing some of these lists and everything when they talk about the better players. The Big 12's kind of got to be on the top of that. I mean, just kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, definitely, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're going to have two of the quarterbacks that are probably going to be in the top five in the country, mm -hmm. starting at least starting out the season. You know, Mayfield has to be number one. Yep, I'll assume Rudolph somewhere in the top five. Uh, Washington's probably the preseason Blitnikoff favorite. Yeah, coming back. Yeah, definitely, in. definitely. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
and, and just the, some of the Big 12 receiving course period. I mean, Texas really uh, Texas Tech is quietly very, very good. I mean, obviously I would say QT probably leads the way in them guys, but I'm telling you, they've got some dudes. Uh, you know how we talked about, I know we talked about last year, our first year in the show, um, how Tech always kind of has these two or three guys that are really similar and they always have equal passes, catches, and they, you know, they're just really good, solid guys. They've got that again this year. I just don't think people realize it yet, but I think they will shortly. Well, even K-State has good wide receiving core this yes, year. Yes, K-State has really good. Texas has really good athletic guys. We'll see if they can get on the ball or not. But, um, okay, kind of rolling along here. The Texas news on the Texas front here. Um, one other thing I was going to mention was uh, apparently uh, they have reached out to Malik Zaire from Notre Dame to see if he wants to come in and play a little quarterback for him. Just your thoughts on that. Anything at all? The, the guy, I mean, he played last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I think that's an experience grab just because they have, they're have they returning so much youth at the quarterback position. They don't have a mm-hmm. – he obviously wants a guy to come in and compete for the job. And, you know, like he said with uh, the guy from LSU, if he can come in and win the job, he's going to put him in there. It's not going to – he's not worried about setting back the young guys or anything. I don't know if he can do that because what I've seen of him, I mean, he's a good player, great athlete, but mm-hmm. is he going to be able to step in and – and be the Texas QB, I don't know. But. I don't know. They, I mean, you know, they told him, apparently they're selling him on, you can come here right away and compete with Bouchel. Well, and I believe it. So. that's 100% true. I think they will do that. I don't know. From what from what I've read, I don't know. if It, it sounds like it's probably going to be Bouchel, at least starting off in the fall. I, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to identify a QB1 going into the fall camp, but it sure sounds like it's him. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, Ellinger, while a lot of us think that Ellinger possibly could be the better quarterback, and I do think he probably will be in the long run, um, it sounds like Bushell's experience right now, which is totally expected, has given him the lead. You know, he's yeah. obviously – I mean, he knows what's going on. I well, mean, I, I read the quote the other day. They basically said the game was still too fast for Ellinger. Like, you could see spurts. Yeah. You can see spurts. It's like, oh, well, there he is. And then mm-hmm. – other times, it's just it's too quick for him. And here's the thing, too. Even when he gets to the point to where that doesn't look that way on the field in practice, when you step on games, it's still a whole nother level. Yeah. So you've got to get him to where he at least looks you know, like he's got full control in practice before he ever can dream of getting on the field. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I was just curious what your thoughts about Zaire. I think Zaire, um, if they want to get more of a uh, tighter run-based offense than they were trying to be last year, I think Zaire's a really good chance, you know. Um, but if it comes back to just pure passing ability and there's a lack of a threat of a run game, you know, for whatever that reason may be, then I feel like you got to go Bouchelle. I feel like he's going to be the better passer. I just I, – I go back to the Texas game last year when it was obviously – it was Kaiser, right? His other other team mm-hmm, for New mm-hmm. When he was in, the offense moved. When Zaire was in, it did not move. Yeah, exactly. And that was against Texas defense. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, Texas, but. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just uh, Deshaun Kaiser, is that his name? I can't remember what his name is now. We lose all these names in other sports. Uh, but, yeah, the other quarterback Notre Dame had, the one that's in the draft, he's really good. Um, okay, uh, on that note, and the reason I had come to that, I, this article caught my eye. Um, they put out from the Golden, uh, Golden Nugget, I almost said that wrong, Golden Nugget Hotel and Casino released their betting odds for Big 12 Conference. You want to take any guesses at any of them? Uh, what is it, the finish? What they're to win the, uh, I guess to win the title, win the Big 12. I would have to say OU's favorite. Yeah. Um... And I don't know if they'd have OSU number two. Do they have OSU number two? Yep, OSU was number two. You want to take a stab at who number or who the last one is? Number three. Who the last one is? Period. Last, place. last place. Last place. I'm going to say is probably going to be Kansas. Yep, 
Kansas came in at, uh, excuse me, by the way, if it feels like I'm, ha- it sounds like I'm a little funny. I've been fighting a cold for last week. That's why the show got postponed. But um, Kansas is last at 200 to 1. Iowa State is 100 to 1. Texas Tech is 100 to 1. Baylor's 80 to 1. TCU's 10 to 1. West Virginia's 8 to 1. Kansas State's 6 to 1. Texas is 9 to 2. Oklahoma State's 4 to 1. And Oklahoma's 11 to 10. I don't think I've ever seen the odds 11 to 10 in my life. Um, but anyway. The preseason love abounds for Texas once again. Yeah. But see, and I'm already seeing the articles on them too of odds on them winning the national title. Like people are actually getting them up there high just because of a coach. And I get coaching is important. I know that. And they have done well and they have recruited well. I just don't feel like the pieces are in place yet. I, no, it takes more than a year. It yeah, exactly. I, I think he's going to take – and that, that's why you see a lot of coaches do it in their second year. Bob Stoops, Urban Meyer. I, mean, I can go on and on and on and on. These coaches that won these titles in their second year places. Well, and it's not even – you know, they're not getting their players in in that time, obviously, maybe one or two, but mm-hmm. they have to put in the system. Yep. And those players that come back are familiar with the system at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had a year to kind of get everything in, you know. And, and not that they're going to – you know, Chinese algebra from something else. It's not like they're going to this crazy thing, but still, it just, I don't know. To get everybody, you know, under the umbrella of what you're trying to do and get everybody to buy in and all that, I just don't feel like they're there yet. Well, and it's not even just the plays and stuff. It's everything. The mm-hmm. the weightlifting, how you're, you know, what you're doing when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole new whole Who's new dedicated, program. who's not. Right. You got to weed out the non-ones. And, which I feel like, um, Charlie did a really good job of weeding out the bad seeds there. But obviously, you're going to have some people that are still on a different page with this regime and all that. So, you know, we'll figure that out and see how it goes. I just feel like Herman, he's got a lot on his plate to do. And I still am not sold that Bouchelle is a championship quarterback. I mean, just personally. I, I think the kid's solid. Um, again, he was a freshman, so I'm not going to be too harsh on him. But he left a lot to be desired to me, uh, especially over the middle of the field. Passes and throws he's going to have to make if they're going to do anything that he didn't and could not make. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, moving right along here, uh, ranking the Big 12's toughest non-conference college football schedules. This was an article out by Athlon. And uh, basically, obviously, just kind of ranks their opinions of who has the toughest non-con schedule. Uh, obviously, leading the way was Texas uh, with Maryland. I guess that's, yeah, at home. Maryland at home, San Jose State, and they go to USC. Just your thoughts on that schedule real quick. I mean, how do you think they're going to handle that? Well, welcome to the Big 12, Herman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, That's a big boy schedule. At least they get Maryland at home. I mean, not that Maryland's any kind of powerhouse, but no. if you had to go there opening up, that would be you know a little bit of a rough thing. Um, San Jose's not bad. San Jose was pretty solid last year. Now, I think they lost that running back, didn't they? That was so good. I think yes, he graduated, yeah. So yes. they won't have him, but uh, they got everybody else. And then, you know, at USC – USC looked pretty filthy by the end of the year last year. Yeah, they did. So, and in fact, I think that the quarterback, I forget his name, he's projected to be right in the mix for the Heisman. Oh, yeah. He year. looked incredible. And, and I mean, you know, if not, definitely the following year he will. I'm, his name's left me, too. He has kind of a nerdy name, if I remember right. But I can't and think of his name. A nerdy appearance. Like Sam something, Arnold. Yeah. Darnold. Darnold, Sam Darnold or something yeah. like that, yeah. So, yeah, I apologize. Again, we're in non in off-season mode, so not all this stuff comes to us instantly. And I don't care about USC. <laughs> Oklahoma was next. Uh, they go. They got UTEP at home. Then, obviously, the big um, the showdown in Columbus against Ohio State and then Tulane. Um, you know, obviously, Ohio State. Ohio State's kind of their season for a while. 
I mean, if they can win that one, everybody feels like they're good enough to run through the Big 12 again. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, and, and it always seems like, do they do that? Then they'll find a way to choke against, you know, Iowa State. But, <laughs> you know, just being an Oklahoma fan my entire life and under the Bob Stoops regime, there's been so many years where if they hadn't found a way to choke, they would have played for more national titles than they already have. So, you know, they'll find a way to do that possibly. But um, Oklahoma State coming in at number three against Tulsa, South Alabama, and Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, they go to Pittsburgh, and they go to South Alabama. That's a little – I feel like people are overlooking that part of their schedule a little bit. Well, what do you I, think about that? As we were talking earlier, you have Tulsa is going to probably be bumped to a Thursday night game, mm-hmm. which is bad because that impacts the crowd that's going to be there. Which, and Oklahoma State just doesn't show up to Thursday night games. The, the, one, like. the one good thing is, is that outside of an in-season Thursday night game, this is the beginning. So this is the first game. So regardless of when it's going to play – Outside of the people not, you know, maybe not quite as many fans being there. You got to feel like they're going to pack out. Yeah, they should yeah. They should be fine in that game. The one that's weird to me is the South Alabama game. This is a team that beat Mississippi State last year. Mm-hmm. This game is potentially going to be moved to Friday. Well, see, here's, that's my question real quickly. I don't have a calendar in front of me. I guess I can pull up my phone and ask you. But um, September 2nd versus Tulsa, is that – Hang on, let me roll that up. I know, sorry, dead air. We should have looked this up. That's going to get bumped to August. Okay, 31st. so that's going to be a third. Okay, so that makes more sense now. So that means that because the way they had this was September second versus Tulsa, ninth versus Alabama. So I thought, is that two Thursday night games? But I guess not. No, it's being the the Tulsa game is going to be bumped to Thursday, which in turn is going to allow them to bump the other game to Friday. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. All which right. Which is good well, for OSU. That gives you another day of recovery. Yeah. Also, it, so yeah. It's just a, that's a weird game. I have no idea why you schedule that game. Why do you? Which why one? are you even playing a road game for South Alabama? I don't know. I mean, I get. The, uh, have you bothered? And I know this has happened with Oklahoma in the past. Is why I say this. Um, is it one of those deals where they somebody dropped out from a few years ago? They had a contract sure and they had to throw it in there. It probably is, but still, why is it a road game? I'd say. Yeah. Come to Stillwater. Um, they probably. It could be one of those deals too, where they got two. Home games for the price of one road game. Sometimes they do that. <laughs> I know, I'm not saying necessarily they should have. I'm just saying that does happen. Where oh, I'm sure it's a um, multi. It's a multi return, but man, yeah, I still wouldn't do that. Holder probably said, "Okay, we'll give you you know X amount of the gate, or you give us X amount of the gate and give us two home games, and we'll play you this one road game on like, there or something." You know, that, that probably holds like ten thousand people at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I think it's about a forty thousand seat stadium, fifty thousand seat stadium, something like that. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that place. Um, I, I would bet it's at least thirty to forty. Um, okay, uh, then at Pittsburgh, uh, we, of course, we all know what Pittsburgh did last That's year. At Hein yeah, it's Heinz Field that they play at, right? Mm-hmm, they do. They play at Heinz Field where the Steelers play. Um, obviously, we know they upset Clemson last year. Um, you know, they just, lost their quarterback and the running back. Yeah, you guys, you guys beat them, right? If yeah, I remember, it yeah. was a crazy game. Two out, like a two-hour delay for rain. And That's right. In the middle. Okay. That's right. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a weird one. I. You know, I fully expect them to go up there and win that game. It, it'll kind of depend on what they do in the early games. If, if for some reason they get upset, then that could be kind of a hangover game. But I, I, I'm telling you what, I'm not. You know, I didn't go. I'm not willing to go as far as our uh, articleist, our writer Josh did. Um, you guys might have saw the article. It's up on our website, correct? Yes. Um, about his thoughts on the OSU Tulsa game. Um, I'm not willing to go that far as to say, oh, there's a good chance. I do think Tulsa's going to give them all they want. And as this article clearly states, the Golden Hurricane tend to play above their heads when they play in-state. When they play against the Oklahomas, and, you know, there's usually a lot of Jinx kids, a lot of Union kids, a lot of Sapalpa, Owasso. There's a lot of local kids. I know some of these people are like, what? Where are these towns? These are all towns close vicinity to the city of Tulsa that produce a lot of big-time athletes that get looks from places like Oklahoma but usually don't make it. 
And um, so they're right there in their backyard, you know, and this is, oh, they've always dreamed of playing at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, so they get a chance to really, you know, send a message. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um, I definitely think Tulsa is going to be a test for them. Opening, it's not a game I would want to play opening. No. Not a game at all I would want to play opening. It, it is better for OSU that they did lose the quarterback and also the, mm-hmm. the really good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a game, I, I agree, that there's a chance they could lose that game if for some reason they show up flat on offense. Mm-hmm. If OSU comes out and they're they're playing good offensively, I don't. I don't see any way that they lose that game. I would say this is a game of a proven defense. Uh, in Tulsa's case, who showed up, you know, exponentially last year. Nobody had any clue they were going to be that good. And a proven offense in the case of OSU. Uh, so you got an offense versus a defense, and then questions on OSU's defense and some questions on, o- on TU's offense. Yep. But I would, I feel like TU's offense is a little more established than OSU's defense is at the moment right now. So. We'll see how that goes. Uh, moving along next, you got Jackson State, Arkansas, and SMU. That's TCU's schedule. I don't feel like there's anything crazy there. I think they can handle everything. I even don't I, – I look for them to handle Arkansas even. Um, it's going to be at Arkansas, which is going to be difficult. But I just don't – now, I will say this. He did. He has had some good recruiting classes there. But they just, for whatever reason, have not been able to put it together. Did Arkansas game. win at, at Fort Worth last year? Wasn't that the overtime game? Trying to remember now. I know they got beat by Georgia in the bowl game. I'm trying to think of how they did. I think they did lose that game. Yeah, I think they did lose that one late in overtime. I think you're right. I I don't know, man, because I think Arkansas is basically they're returning a lot too. I know they returned their quarterback for sure. Yeah, but I just don't. I mean, I don't know. They just. It's at what point are they gonna like do something? It's like they're just stuck in neutral there. Arkansas. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I've I've talked to some Arkansas fans, and they're they're basically counting down the contract years. (laughs) Yeah, he's got to be about gone. I mean. You know, if he was doing what he was doing at, say, I don't know, when Iowa State, okay, people would be okay. But Arkansas, as we've Expects stated very many times, they, they expect more to the point that probably more than they realize they, they really should be, much like A&M does. Um, I don't know, there's some other schools out there if I sit and think about yeah, it long enough. That wouldn't go quite as high as A&M. But A&M's yeah. kind of on their own stratosphere. Yeah, they, they expect more than they're really capable of every year. But, um, you know, Arkansas is kind of in that stratosphere, too, of thinking they're a little better, a little higher prestige than they really are. And I just don't. Um, don't really kind of you know preside that resign you know whatever subscribe to that theory, but I do think they're they should be doing a little better than they are, and they're just not. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just I just don't worry about Arkansas a lot. If I'm TCU, I think they should win that game, but we'll see. I don't know. It, it'll be um, interesting to see how the quarterback situation at TCU plays out. That is going to be the key one. Are they going to yep. roll with Hill again or, or that, not? That is going to be the key one. If he's coming out and he's playing good, I I think TCU the sky's the limit for them. I think they can compete for a Big Twelve title. If he and it's pretty much on his shoulders. Yep. As long as they're healthy, obviously, because they haven't been that healthy the last two seasons. Uh, next, you got West Virginia with Virginia Tech, East Carolina, Delaware State. Nothing too crazy there. Uh, Iowa State's is next at Northern Iowa, Iowa and Akron. Baylor's got <laughs> at least it's a step up for them. Liberty, UTSA, and Duke. Um, the Liberty Flames, if I recall correctly. Um, let's now this see. is Baylor. Yep, that was Baylor's, and they're actually not last in the league this year. U- UTSA, <laughs> UTSA is, is is a decent program. You know, they had a, they're kind of a startup program. On the, I think it's their second head coach ever. They were literally the worst bowl eligible team in the country last year, though. I yeah, say that. But they're not terrible. Right. But and then you have uh, Duke that's kind of a middling ACC team that's they've been, been decent the last couple of years. It's all with them. It's quarterback play because right. they've had some decent players. It's just quarterback play with them. Um, you got Kansas State next on the list. Central Arkansas, Charlotte, and Vanderbilt. Uh, obviously, the Vanderbilt one's going to be the big one there. That's one to watch because that could give us a shot at an early victory over the SEC, obviously. 
Uh, you got Tech next with their Eastern Washington uh, at, or versus Arizona State, which last year, if you saw that game, that game set defense back 100 years, almost as bad as the OU Texas Tech game, which set back defense about 150 years. So, you know, that one was pretty crazy. You remember how awful that Arizona State game was? Did you get to see that one? Yes. I I got home from the OU game in time to watch that thing, and oh, my Lord. It was kind of one like, who's going to score next? Yes. It was literally guys that were supposed to be, like, in zone coverages on Tech secondary that were playing, like, man rules and just, oh, my Lord. It just I, I was yelling at the TV, you moron, just stay where you're at and you intercept the ball. Like, it's that bad. So, so that's uh, on that one. And then uh, you rounded up, you know, uh, with Kansas, uh, Southeast Missouri, Central Michigan, and Ohio. Now, here's my question to you. Are you upset? You know, obviously there's the weakest, although I would say there's – if it hadn't been for Arizona State or a couple other ones, I think Kansas might have been a little higher than some of them. But um, do you have a problem with Kansas playing that schedule right now? No. Because uh, I, I – Personally, I'm all for it while they're recovering because yes. they're just so depleted. People still don't understand how depleted that program is. That's still better than Baylor's <laughs> schedule the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it really is, sadly. And Ohio has been a quality program. Yeah. You know, uh, what's his name? Not Snellenberger, but uh, – Solich. Solich, yeah. He's uh, he's done quite a bit of good things there for a long period of time. But I still say one of the biggest mistakes our Nebraska made in the last, what, 20 years was firing Frank Solich. Yep, Especially after like a 9-3 year. Yeah, 9-2 so. becomes not good. Yeah. So if they hung on to him, I think Nebraska is a lot better than they had been lately. Okay, so that's that article from Athlon.com. You can go look that up on Athlon Sports, you know, Google Big 12, you know, schedules and things like that. Um, let's see, what was the final one I had was, oh, the um, top wide receivers in the Big 12. This is from, where did these people call it again? Um, I'm trying to find their name. Sports Day which is a Dallas, um, I guess, uh, program or whatever you want to call it. They, they, they are a Dallas area, North Texas area, people that I think they might even have a paper, I'm not sure, but they, they do a website and they go out and you know talk about all the area sports, professional college. They decided to release an article, and you can Google it and look it up, the top 10 wide receivers in the Big 12. Um, they're number 10. Do you want it to – and I felt like this was a – uh, their number 10, I felt like, was just kind of, let's throw somebody out there. Uh, do you want to even take a guess? And it may be too hard for you to guess at this one, but it's kind of broad. It, is it from one of the big schools or from one of the It's one of the lesser? big schools. Uh, but I just felt like they just kind of threw a name out there when it came to this one. Colin Johnson? Colin Johnson, no. No, I don't know. He's from Texas. I'll give you that clue. Uh, Devin Duvernay? No, but I kind of thought he could have been on there. Oh, oh, uh, Foreman. Nope, not Foreman. Okay, so is it Burt? Yeah, it's Burt. And I kind of feel like that was a give me because, you know, they just were looking for somebody to throw on there. I don't know if they ran out of names or what because based on what Burt's done, now when it comes to potential, Burt's up there. When You know, the dude's insanely fast. He has pretty solid hands. His route running leaves a lot to be desired, in my opinion. He basically is you put him on the sideline and say outrun everybody on the field. Um, but he's not even the best wide receiver on the team. team. I know exactly. <laughs> I feel like Duvernay is going to overshadow him this year, and the, he may not be the only one. Now, surely they don't have multiple Texas receivers in the top ten. Not that I saw, but we'll look here in a second. Okay. Um, John Burt from Texas was number ten. Right. So, going up the list, you got Karan White from West Virginia. I'm okay no with him with making that. the list. Yeah, I think he's a really good player, really fast, uh, really good hands, really good with that. Um, I don't know. Is he the best one on wide receiver? On West Virginia, did they lose? They lost. They lost 
couple. But they open. kept the guy that made the crazy catch. I'll be interested to see about him. Remember the guy that made that wild catch? I can't think of his name. Brady would know. But I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But um, he's on the team. Moving on, you got Byron Pringle, K-State, mm-hmm. and eight. I feel like he's definitely on the list. Um, next is LaQuivante Gonzalez, or Speedy, as we affectionately call him here. Um, I Definitely another one potential. I think it's spectacular. Probably the best receiver on Kansas' team. Yeah, I'd still give it to Sims. Steve Sims. Is he still there? Yeah. Okay. I I think, oh, no, he may have been a senior. I was thinking he left, but I could be wrong. Oh, if he's not there, Gonzalez is uh, there. You know, again, we'll have all this information when it comes close to the season, runoff season terms. Um, you know, Laquivante. So he's not bad. And a heck of a receiver. He's made some ridiculous catches. Um, can really be a key to them having a big year. Because when you think about Kansas, what do they really lack? We talked about the run game hadn't been as good, but it got better last year. Yeah, and then we talked year, too. Yeah, this last year. And we'll get better. We talked about the quarterback play is getting out there, it's coming, but then we, they don't really have a playmaker. They just didn't have a guy that you felt like, oh, my God, this guy was going to just change, you know, a guy that you defensive coordinators had to really game plan around. This guy could be it. You know, Speedy Gonzalez could be the guy that really hurts them. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. We'll find out. Uh, next on the list, Jalen McCleskey, McComa State, number six. I'm fine with that one. Um, Steve Sims Jr. from Kansas, number right, five. So, still so I guess he is still there. Yeah, he's the best one on Kansas. Kansas team. He's more of an all-around receiver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Kevontae Turpin, number four. I feel like he's dangerous enough he could be a top two or three guy, but he's number four right now. All right, that's overrated in my opinion. Uh, well, as a receiver mainly, but I think potential. Yeah, I think he's he more of an be all-around filthy. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Lazard, number three. Yep, that's I think that's, that's fair. I think that's fair. He's definitely a top three guy. Um, and then next you have, if I can get my computer to cooperate, next you have, if I get up there, John Giles from Tech. What do you think about that one? I kind of feel like Kuti's the better receiver, but I don't know. We'll see. It seems like Kuti got his name called more, but Giles is definitely a good playmaker. As That's well. a good point. I, I think Kuti might be the better um, staff filler. Giles could be the more talented of the two. I don't know. But I do think Kuti's definitely in the running for it, which is something we'll talk about here in a second. Um... And then finally, topping off, it's got to be obvious. Yeah, yeah. Washington topped it off there. Um, Washington is probably your Blitnikoff leader, I would think. Um, definitely the Blitnikoff leader out of the Big 12. Just your thoughts, you know, anything you want to throw in there, anything you didn't like, anybody you feel like got omitted? Uh, no, not really. I think that that's a pretty solid list. It'll be interesting because I don't, I don't really know how OSU is going to use their wide receivers this year. Like it's easy to say that Washington's the Blitnikoff favorite, but if he's not putting up stats like mm-hmm. he like he has, and I don't know if he's going to because I think they're going to have so many wide receivers like they're everybody's they're, just going to play their yeah, little they're, spot. They're, they're yeah. talking about running out basically line changes mm-hmm. at, at wide receiver. I don't know how you know conducive that is to actually getting a lot of receptions, which mm-hmm. is a big thing. Now for him, he you know he averages like twenty yards a catch, mm-hmm. so it's not a big deal yardage wise, but. There's going to be some other guys, and you're going to have you, – you mentioned um, McCleskey. Mm-hmm. You have Washington. Those are in the top six. You also have Marcel Aitman coming back, who is actually kind of a more highly thought of NFL prospect than Washington going into last year before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I think he was the – going into the season on – is it PFF had him listed as the top NFL prospect receiver in the Big 12 going into last year. Now he's going to be coming back this year. Then you're also bringing in Tyron Johnson – 
Oh, from yeah. everything I've heard mm-hmm. from camp, is just a freak. So I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it. Is that the LSU kid? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I heard some just gushing things about him the yeah. other day. Uh, the guy that covers OSU for the local sports affiliate on the radio, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he, um, I mean, just apparently they're crazy about this kid. Yeah. They think he could be right up there with Washington, you know, as far as kind of leading the way as the receivers. Well, he may be the one um, next year. Yeah, exactly. I just I think he's going to be one of the top two or three guy targets you're going to see on this team. I think him, McCleskey, and Washington could just have a huge year. Well, from it, what it, it sounds like it's kind of interesting. There there wasn't a wide receiver listed from Oklahoma, and you know one's going to finish. See, that's in the top what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you, is, did you notice the glaring omission of a team? Yeah, uh, Oklahoma I don't care didn't have happens. one. So yeah, you I, have Baker Mayfield at QB. There's going to be a wide receiver in the top ten before the year's over. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be a guy that a lot of people didn't see coming. Now I'm not going to go through the names, but there are about four or five names from Oklahoma I think you know it's obviously they haven't proven themselves or they'd be in this discussion but I think you're going to want to watch out for this year well Um, it's going to be interesting to me on on Oklahoma like are they going to go you know they've always had a a clear one there's mm -hmm. always been a clear Mm -hmm. lead wide receiver Mm -hmm. is this going to be maybe the one of the first years that I can remember where they're going to have just kind of spread it all around yeah because they have a lot of playmakers coming back I think they're going to I think you are going to see more of like you were talking about with OSU more of a uh, shuttle committee type thing with the rotation and everything Um, but I do think before it's all said and done you're going to see a guy stand out and I have a couple opinions on who that will be and we'll get into that probably after the spring game but are we talking like by standing out are you talking like I'm not saying yeah 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 I'm not saying necessarily they're going to have a thousand yard receiver because I don't know and it's not necessarily that they're not capable yeah I just think you're going to have that many options. People think Oklahoma's receiving core is terrible. I think there are a lot of guys that are pretty equal that are not too bad. And that means they're all going to get a lot of catches, I think. You know what I mean? I would agree with that. So, you know, I don't I don't think you're I don't think they're like down in the dumps necessarily. I think it's just because there is that lack of a starter, a main guy. People feel like, "Oh, Oklahoma's not too good." I actually think they're pretty solid. Um, they're not by any means one of the top 25 receiving cores in the country or anything like that. I mean, they're not even close to that. But I do think there's a committee group of talent there that's pretty equal. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, and I agree with you. There's a good chance Oklahoma will have one that finishes in the top ten on the list. Um, well, we'll see. there's another glaring omission, Baylor. That's true. They've been it's wide been a long time since you, can't, since you could say that about Baylor. But something tells me they'll have another guy on there. It's just so weird because they lost Cannon and um... – what was it? Zamora. Zamora. Zamora left? Oh, yeah, he yeah. went for the draft. Didn't yeah. he? Stupid move on his part. Yeah, in my yeah opinion. that was a, a bad, bad He could have been but... their just leading star <laughs> returning guy. Just, you know, but I don't know. We'll, well see. You kind of wonder with the with the way that everything went down last year, if maybe he wasn't just like, yeah, go ahead and test the waters. Yeah, that's true. It's a good possibility. True. Yeah, they'll, they'll have somebody step up, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I want to get into the Texas Tech spring game which was on and obviously i cover texas tech for the for the site so uh we have to do that but before i do i think we need to obviously throw our props up to tcu basketball uh just you know i don't know any other way to put it but just laying an absolute ass whipping on georgia tech uh ended up being 88 to 56 that's fair any of your thoughts on that one uh great job by jamie dixon this year it's you know um uh, as a Big 12 basketball fan, TCU's been kind of the laughing stock of the Big 12 in basketball since they've came over. Mm-hmm, definitely. So been the laughing stock since they came and over. And that, that kind of speaks to the Big 12 as a whole. I don't think this year that there was any – you know, I think did OU finish – was OU the last – finished last in the Big 12 this year? Yes. Or did they finish ninth? If, if they didn't finish last, they were right there. But Either ninth or tenth, one of the There was never a game that they were truly out of. You know, exactly. I think a lot of their games they lost. So there really weren't any mm-hmm. off nights in the – 
in the Big 12. And I know TCU didn't end up making the tournament, but they were right there at the at the cutoff mm-hmm. going into the last couple of weeks of the season. And Dixon's just done a heck of a job. And the, the players have obviously responded. That that center, the foreigner, he's done a great job. He's mm-hmm. obviously stepping up. And I think he'll be back next year. So mm-hmm. Big 12 should be good once again next year. I, I will say, and you know, this is a popular question that gets asked, and I don't mean to be cliche, but I'm just curious since we actually have an example here. All right, would you be better with you, okay, your NIT champion, or losing the first round of the play-in game of the of the NCAA tournament? First round of the NCAA tournament. You see, I'm, I'm different. I would rather have the title. I don't think – because here's the thing. Chances are – and, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Chances are TCU could beat the crap out of a lot of the first-round teams that got knocked out. In the, you know, I just think it's not their fault they fell subjected to a flawed system and weren't selected into a, a – into a, a tournament that they, you know, should have been in probably. But well, but I also I also look at it like in NIT a lot of the times you're going to be playing those same teams that they would have beat the crap out of in the first round. You're going to have like TCU going up against, you know, Monmouth, Monmouth or whatever, mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. Yeah. It's going to be a non-name school. Now this year we did have Georgia Tech play TCU, but a mm-hmm. lot of times it doesn't work out like that. I just feel like TCU, especially when, ter- when you're talking about in terms of a program and moving on, uh, into next year, I feel like this is going to give you a better light. Definitely, it's definitely especially a good for momentum. recruiting and things like that. I feel like mm-hmm. this gives you more to work with. So I don't know. In my opinion, you know, especially you know, in the days of okay, we had I don't even know because I'm not a basketball people. We all know this. I'm not a basketball guy. But in the days of say 32 or whatever there used to be in the tournament, okay, yeah, I could see that as you know, you don't really you know you would take that because that was still a really good top of the line group of guys. Well, see, that but, was back when the NIT was a big deal. Yeah, that's true. It was. <laughs> it was. But I mean, like you know, now you're talking about 68 teams, and it just almost is luck of the draw, or maybe that's a bad way to put it, that you did or didn't get in at the very end. You know. Yeah. And I feel like to me, this is something you can wave your banner about. Look, we got an NIT title as opposed to. Do you even remember the first round of the tournament right now? Because I don't. Of course, I didn't, I didn't watch it that much. But still, <laughs> you know, nobody's really going to remember that. So. I don't know. I just look at it differently than a lot of people. But, of course, I do that with a lot of things. Well, I can see your point because it is good because it does put momentum, you know, a positive spin on the season and carry, kind of try to carry the momentum into recruiting and also into next season. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it is a good way to end. You're ending with a win, and there's only, like, three teams that can say that. Exactly. And I do they even do the CIB anymore? I don't think they do, do they? Or yeah, whatever it's called? CBI. CBI. Do they still do that? I think they do. Canadian Basketball Tournament or whatever the heck it is. I don't even know what it stands for. Collegiate Basketball Invitational. Yeah, they don't do that. And then there's, there seems like there was another one I was seeing around something. But I think anyway. there's still three. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, congratulations to them. Obviously, we lost, uh, who was it, Baylor and Kansas this week in the big one? Yes. They got beat out in the Elite Eight since we were on last. Uh, Final Four, um, we saw what happened. Just real quickly, I guess your pick to win it all, Gonzaga and North, North Carolina. I'm picking Gonzaga. I'm going with North Carolina. I just don't – I hate this Gonzaga team. I don't know why. There's something about them. They rub me the wrong way. I don't like them. Hey, I told you going into the tournament that this is supposedly Fuse's deepest team. Yeah, but they say that every freaking year. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> I get so sick of hearing it. For the last 10 years, this is Mark Fuse's best team. This is Mark Fuse's oldest team. This well, hey, they didn't say best team. They said deepest They've team. They've said that about all – the same things were said about all of them. This is the best chance he's ever had to get to the Final Four and yada, yada, yada. I got sick of hearing it. Well, hey, they were right this year. Yeah, but I think some of it might have been their navigable – conference they were into or their uh, bracket they were into yeah. i think in some of the other brackets they would have had a little harder time obviously but before you move into the tech thing i did want to say it came out today that the longhorns actually picked up a graduate transfer at tight end it's a kendall moore he played at syracuse oh, yeah, yeah so he's actually a decent size he's uh shows him at six five two forty five that's a big need they see i would have thought he was bigger than two no they lost they lost their their tight end last year and then you have the 
the issue with uh, Reese, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name from here in Oklahoma, and Jinx. Uh, oh, yes, had I the, forgot uh, about that. We should have talked Lato about that. Or mm-hmm. Lato or something, but he, he was arrested. He's actually doing court on April 18th, so they have all kind of issues, and they're tied in right now. So to get a graduate transfer, it's going to be good. At least it gives you experience. If not, it doesn't sound like he played much last year. He caught one pass for 15 yards. So obviously, obviously not a lot. And coming from Syracuse, I don't know what you're be looking at, but it's definitely an experienced body you can put in there. Yeah, and and something we should have brought up with the tech, the Jinx kid. He, I don't, what was it that happened? I forgot now. Well, um, uh, all of it's alleged, but it was uh, drunk. Something drug. He had he had uh, some prescription pills or something that they caught him for intent to distribute. Oh, that's right. It was Xanax, or wasn't something it? Like that. I'm not exactly. I can't sure. remember, but it's been so long since we've been on the air. I don't know. It's been about ten days or so, so I can't remember exactly what they what we. Yeah, did nothing. Him, nothing's but. been official yet, so it's all alleged at this point. But we'll we'll see how that goes. He's due in court on April 18th. Yeah, it says he was arrested for possession delivery of a controlled substance with intent to sell within a thousand feet of a school. That's good. That's so, the best yeah. place to sell it within school. Yeah, but it does, it, like I said, it gives them a body, and, and they definitely needed it. Where was he busted at? In Oklahoma? Jinx. So he was trying to go back to the high school and sell drugs. He was still at he was still school. Oh, he still is in high school. Yeah. He? he didn't come early. I was thinking he came early. Okay, so yeah. And Jinx, in Texas, you know, despite what some of them say on their side of the fence, didn't have a great recruiting class and didn't have a great recruiting class at tight end. You had him, and he was going to be the stud, in my opinion. The other one is the kid that's just uh, – you know, decent hands guy. He's not. I don't. Honestly, in my opinion, if the, I can't think of his name, forgive me. If the other kid plays, that's bad news for Texas. That's bad news. So this other guy, uh, he's he's definitely Kendall is definitely a better player, um, and gives him much needed experience. And I think you know, obviously, you're going to need a tight end. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, kind of finally here, getting to the end of it. Uh, Tech had their spring game, and I was wondering if did you have any chance at all to see any of it? I did not. I watched it, and, uh, you know, if you were kind of, how do I put it, if you were Tech, or if you were a Tech fan, let's start off with that. What are some things that you'd be wanting to see? Uh, I'd want to see improvement on defensive secondary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On defense as a whole. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to see my starting QB come out and make plays since you lost Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. Um, Really, that's about it. I want to. I want to see defense step up. Actually, make some plays on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe force a couple of turnovers, mm-hmm. and then your quarterback to come in and, and make good passes and kind of carry the offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think that's something we'd all like to see if we were taking. And just those of us, um, you know, obviously with this show, we have somewhat of a responsibility to root for the whole conference and obviously we want the conference to be better and get better notoriety so we have to hide a pull for them too even if there's somebody we can't stand um you know Colin being an OSU fan really highly does or even graduate I guess um highly uh despises Texas Tech <laughs> but to some degree we need them to be better um so you know there's things we've all looked for um and I, I feel like you know I, I made several notes here I went back and watched it um you know and, and watched it through actually twice to try to catch everything uh, just starting off with the offensive notes that I had and feel free to to come in and jump in on any of this kind of stuff but I do feel like you know and, and a lot of this was based on I I kind of looked for things if you'll remember and you may have to really think about it but some of the things the questions we had talked about in shows past um, during the season, okay, they showed area problems here, here, and here, and we talked about they need to get better here, some of those things. So that's what some of this is based around, okay? So you may have to remember and pull back from some of these past shows. But uh, I felt like they showed a commitment to the run game, and it was a lot like we saw late. Remember, we talked about later last year. 
Yeah, they did start um, running the ball actually towards the end of the season. Yeah, and we thought that was great. That's spectacular because, in my opinion, Tech, I love – you know, I've always been a fan of the air raid to some extent. Now, there, I do have my problems with it. But overall, it's, especially if you're watching just as a fan, it's more fun to watch than, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. It's obviously better. But you have to run the ball. I don't care what it is, who it is. You're never going to win a title in any league, and especially nationally, if you can't run the ball. And Tech has gotten so far away from running the ball, it's not even funny. Uh, and finally last year, the second half of the season, I would say, well, wasn't the first half of the season, wasn't Mahomes the leading rusher? Yes, he was, very much so. Uh, and I think throughout about three-quarters of the way uh, before he finally got passed. Um, so, you know, and if you were to take out the yardage, he lost in sacks, who knows where he'd be, you know. Because, so, I mean, the dude got lit up several times. Well, and to be fair, they do use their running backs a little bit more in the passing game than mm-hmm. others do because that's part of the running Extended game. Extended part of the yeah. running game, exactly. And, and that's fine. I just you have to show some kind of commitment to it enough to keep the defensive on, defense honest. I don't care what you are, especially if you're at all weak in areas, which they've been good in the offensive line a lot of years. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so that was big, I, you know. And again, let me let me preface all this by saying we're doing this in the vacuum of a spring game. I know I'm not I'm not saying this projects anything for next year. I'm just telling you what I saw and what I thought was good and bad, um, and hopefully. Some of that will move on, but as we've talked about in the show a couple weeks ago, Kendall even brought up, hey, uh, this is an experimental time. They're going to play with stuff. You know, they're not going to necessarily, it's not going to be, you know, groundbreaking anything they're doing, saying this is definitely set in stone what we're going to do, but they're going to try some stuff. So uh, I thought they showed commitment to the run game. Um, they even had some really, I thought, some really cool, fun, creative formations. They even did two back sets, which I don't know if I can remember a time that Texas Tech had two running backs in the backfield by the quarterback. Um, they might have, I just don't recall it. Um, and, and wait for it. They even did a short yardage run, some short yardage run plays, you know, like <laughs> third and one, you know, there wasn't a screen bubble screen or a slant route or, you know, the things again, extended run game passes to try to get the first down. They actually lined up and ran a ball third and one and tried to get a first down. So I thought that was big for him. Um, the downside to all of this, the old offensive line got manhandled. Um, I mean, just absolutely got their butts whipped from one end of the field to the other all that day does not long. Well. No, it doesn't. And that's what worries me because um, everything that they're wanting to do and can do and can be is all on that, and they got their tails whipped bad. Now, was the uh, the incoming freshman, was he starting? Or is he not on campus yet? At is quarterback? Anderson? Is it? The- oh, the offensive guard, yeah. Anderson? I didn't see him start, no. I don't recall his name being called either. Now, I'd have to look up his number because I didn't have his number off the top of my head, and they weren't wearing jerseys with their names on them that I can recall. No, they weren't. And uh, so I don't remember his name ever being called, but I'd have to go back and look. Um, I will go back and watch. Give me time. I'll go back and watch well, him report on that again. If Jack having, Anderson, he's going to have to play, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, if they're going to have – if they're – Obviously, if they're struggling like that, he's definitely going to be an impact player. Well, here's what I th- saw, too. You know, one thing we've always talked about is how monstrous some of these offensive lines are getting in the Big 12, especially at tackle. And Texas has been big. They've been right up there. Mm-hmm. Some big old boys. They've had some of the biggest offensive lines in the league recently. I didn't really see a lot of that size out there with this line. Uh, and I know they lost some guys. We talked about that. They lost some guys on both lines. Um, I just they There were some bigger guys, but it wasn't that big, monstrous, dominant offen- offensive line you normally see at Tech. So that's something to watch, too. And they got a new offensive line coach this year. So we'll see how that works out. Um, but, yeah, that's something I would definitely keep my eye on as a Tech fan. I know this was a uh, – we just said, you know, don't take anything away from concrete. The offensive line issues in this screen, spring uh, scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, would worry me a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that means they're going to be horrible. Just keep it in the back of your mind going through the summer. Um Naturally, I thought they looked great in two-minute drills. 
you know, that's the extended part of their offense, basically. I mean, the air raid's basically a glorified two-minute drill, you know. Um, <clears throat> the receivers, you know, that you're looking at, it, they all looked great. Um, Kuti, I thought, put on the best show there. Uh, but you saw a lot of guys, including uh, Tony Brown, Quan Shorts, Jonathan Giles, they were all good. The name to watch, in my opinion, going forward, and I think he'll, if he doesn't start, he'll have a huge impact on the season. Derek Willies is number 11. He was formerly one of the top JUCO transfers uh, last year. Yeah, he played in. last year, didn't he? Yes, but what I was going to say was he missed several games due to injury, mm -hmm. so he didn't get to have a really good year. He was one of the top JUCO transfers in the country. Uh, he's a really good player, six foot four. Uh, they list him at 210, but I honestly think he's more like 215 to 220 right now. He's a pretty good, solid-sized guy, so keep that name in mind. Um, defensively, I had a lot of good positive things on defensively. Now, you know, that's keeping that this is the baseline of tech we're working with here. But, you know, I saw some things defensively I loved. Uh, some creative new format. To me, this feels like, and I know we've talked about this, could be uh, when we talked about this with um, Youngman, Seth Youngman, the tech uh, from Mistaking the Plains. Um, I, we all feel like this could be um, Kingsbury's, you know, last stand. You know, this could be his last little moment to see what he's going to do. And I kind of got that – and, again, spring game, I know. But I kind of got that sense of if they're going to carry this over to the season, that's the way they're coaching this thing. They've completely pulled out the stops. Defensively, um, they did some formations that were really creative and fun. Uh, one I really that really stood out to me, and I kind of hope they do employ this because they're going to need it. Because remember, what's the one thing we talked about? They really got hit at defensive line that we knew was good. Now we, they've got, obviously got hit in the secondary and things like that also. But that defensive line was really good and talented and had some people on it, or potentially, and had some future NFL starters, and they got gutted, okay, between transfers and everything else. So um, what they did in one package I thought was great. They did a 3-3-5. Uh, this is what I could, the closest thing I compared it to. It was like a 3-3-5 slash dime package, and I, I, you'd have to see it to understand what I'm talking about. But it basically it was three down linemen that were basically glorified linebackers. That's all they were, really small guys. Uh, their tackle was that Zach Barnes guy. The nose guard was that Zach Barnes guy that's like a kind of like a tackle hybrid, uh, I'm sorry, defensive hybrid defensive end linebacker guy. Um, he's about 250. Okay, so he's just a big middle linebacker, basically. And what they did was they brought all the secondary guys up on the line against a five-wide look, in this case. Uh, I'm talking on their nose. We're standing on their toes, ready to go face-to-face -to -face with them. And just an all-out pass rush from those three guys up front. Uh, and then they had a couple of lingering guys over the middle of the field. Then all these defensive guys out, taking away everything short, which in turn allowed time for those three quick pass rushers to get the ball. And they did. They got up there. So very disruptive, different look from Tech. You know, we're not used to seeing a lot of creativity out of Tech on the defensive side of the ball. I think we would agree, right? Yes. And this was, this was something I thought was quite encouraging uh, for them. Also, the D-line absolutely, as I said, whipped the living crap out of the offensive line. I mean, the defensive line looked spectacular. Um, and two names I took from that, McLean Carter and uh, – I'm sorry, wrong one here. Um, Robert Washington and Nick McCann. Um, Nick McCann, Richard, freshman from Texarkana, 6'2", 300, just an absolute, if you could describe him in one word, disruption. I mean, the guy just, he causes mayhem. He's not the tallest guy, 6'2", obviously, but he's got decently long arms, gets after the quarterback. He's got a real low frame, you know, gets, pushes people up and out of the way. Uh, he even knocked down or deflected a pass and pick six the ball himself. He knocked it up in the air, caught it, and ran it in the end zone. And also was dragging people over his big behind as he went over the goal line. Uh, also, Robert Washington, the other defensive lineman. Um, if you might remember, I don't know if you remember, but they recruited him to be an offensive lineman. 
he's number 96, and they've converted him to defensive lineman. He's having a heck of a year. But, you know, as we talked about, they're going to have to replace some of that. Um, now, <laughs> um, oh, before we move along, uh, also secondary, Octavius Morgan. Uh, you know, we talked about, do you remember when we talked about we were doing our um, review wrap-ups or whatever for recruiting, and we talked about all the JUCO guys mm-hmm. they got in the secondary? I remember Octavius Morgan. Yeah, okay. Um, that guy is going to be a starter right now. I'm just going to say he's starting for Tech. He's the best corner I may have seen at Tech in a long time. Um, what's going to be interesting is a lot of good tech has had some decent, I'll say decent corners and secondary guys in recent years. Problem is they don't get to show that because they get murdered because people are just constantly running by everybody on that defense, you know, so they don't ever get a chance. This guy's good. He's got good ball skills, um, very good cover, uh, gets his head around quickly to find the ball. You know, he does everything. He's the most complete guy tech I've seen in a long time. And I, you know, again, I don't get to see a lot. A lot of these guys can do off the field, or, you know, or, or like in isolated situations because they're usually out. Their whole defense is getting lit up. But <clears throat> from what I saw, he's the best guy I've seen for them in a long time to have at Tech. Um, That'll be big. And just in general, the JUCO guys that we talked about, they were all pretty good. They all made impacts. They're all going to play a lot. But I, I expect Octavius Morgan to be their their top corner this year. Um, and he's number five. You can look for him, by the way. Um, okay. Do you remember? <laughs> Uh, all right, let me get to let me get to Shimanek real quick because uh, that was a key thing. Obviously, Shimanek, um, he made some really great throws, strong arm throws. Okay, do you remember what some of, what were your some of your impressions of him uh, when you saw him play that little bit in the season? I thought he was fairly accurate, and he like you said, he had a good arm. He he seemed to be able to run the offense effectively. It was a, there wasn't like a downturn when he came in. Yeah. It just kind of went like it was just how it was without the run game. But overall, you just wanted to see more. We yeah. needed to see more, right? Uh, and we all know that, what, he's not going to be Mahomes, right? He's just – I mean, there are not many people make Mahomes, like Mahomes. Well, Texas never had a quarterback like Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So Shemineck, he's probably more like the other quarterbacks that they've mm-hmm. had in the past. He's very much so. I will say this. He's not terrible on his feet. He's not like a big clumsy one like some of the guys they've had in the past. But he, he is. He's more traditional. They're typical system-type quarterbacks that people call them system quarterbacks. He, he did make some throws over the middle that surprised me. I didn't know he had that much arm strength. So that is that is a plus for him, I will say. I feel like he might could potentially be a smarter quarterback than Mahomes uh, as far as his decision-making and everything goes. Um, he just really did a good job, I thought, like reading. Like you could just watch his, his eyes and move around the field. He really did a better job making better decisions and picking up the reads. Um, and also there was a couple key times where the defense screwed up uh, you know, whether it was offsides and things like that, and he immediately picked that up and knew exactly what he wanted to do and, you know, got those extra yardage and things like that on free plays. Took a chance, yeah. Yeah, so that that was really good to see from him. So I think some of that intelligence and playmaking, you know, or some of that intelligence and decision-making could make up for that he's not Superman Mahomes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that could be good for them going forward. Um, I definitely have a better opinion of him now than I did, you know, last time when we saw him back up, everybody was going crazy about him, but I felt like a lot of what he'd done was just – uh, conditions of the offense. He found a guy and they ran for 100 yards. You know, um, I was impressed with what we saw of him last year. I didn't. I wasn't yeah. too worried about him stepping in and replacing him this year. Yeah, just a different kind of quarterback. Yeah. Got to see how things go. Um, thought he did pretty well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does. I, I feel like the other thing that was good about it too, he looked like this is my team. This is my offense. I'm pulling the strings, and he just had that look to him. You know, I'm the number one. I'm you know I'm in charge. He just so he you know he just spelled out confidence and I'm you know all that so now um one thing I thought was interesting do you remember the guy <laughs> and so people are going to take this the wrong way and we mean this in jest but do you remember the quarterback that Tech got 
that we said looked like a serial killer in his photo. Yes. That was obviously a bad picture. I think that was my running joke. It was a, it was not a good light. It looked more like almost like a uh, scene off of Twilight. Like it was or a, like The Undertaker. Remember yeah. The Undertaker in wrestling where he'd look down, roll his eyes up, and it look was, up with his hands? That's what it looked like. Yeah. You know, just darkness. And I mean, McLean Carter. Yes, McLean Carter is the, is the kid's name. And McLean, if you ever get to hear this, I apologize. We don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that picture Tech took of you was awful. They should have done a better job. In their, I don't even um, know if that was Tech. I no, think it was, it was, well, remember it was one of the recruiting things. It, it had like Tech in the background. Was it 247? Yeah, yeah but so. it had to come from Tech. It might have. So, I mean, it had unless their graphics department just got permission to use all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe they did. One of those two people are guilty, and they should have done a better job of vetting that because they made you look very, very, um, I guess, scary, which might be a good thing for you. But um, he looked kind of demented in that photo. Yes. And uh, anyway, so we got to see who he was. And, dude, I am really, really excited for this kid's future. I think, I think first of all, um, come end of August, he's going to give Shimanek all he wants, I think. Um, I do think Shimonek ends up winning the job. I don't think that's in danger. I think Shimonek ends up putting it. But that's only going to make Shimonek better, obviously. Right. Yeah, it's nice um, to be pushed. But Shimonek is a senior, if I remember right. He's I'll up there. Out. He's either junior or senior, one or the other. But anyway, McLean Carter, definitely, I think, the future. Because he's a sophomore after he had played one year at JUCO. Uh, a little bit about the kid, if you're not familiar, just for those out there listening. He threw for 3,200 yards in only nine games um, in a, and was conference MVP at Tyler JUCO College. Um, he also even had a game where he threw for 578 yards and five touchdowns against Navarro Junior College. Um, what I liked about him was the kid showed very impressive pocket awareness. Um, he picked up the pass rush really well. Every time he saw guys coming after him, he picked him up. And, you know, you got to think, he hasn't been in this offense that long, right? So, you know, he may not know all the little outs and the valves and all that. And, and to some degree, he may have ran this offense at, at Tyler. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. I have no clue. But um, he knew where to go with the ball quickly. Uh, he would pick up the pass rush. He would find the valve. He would get it out there quickly, whether it was a running back, a screen, whatever. That was impressive to me. So, um, you know, he just he showed a lot of good things. Uh, he's left-handed, which even though I'm left-handed, I have a very harsh bias against left-handed quarterbacks. I don't like them that much. Um, it's hard to find a really good left-handed quarterback that's consistent that just God doesn't make many of them. There's just not very many of them on God's green earth that can play Division One quarterback at a high level. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, just overall, I was really impressed with the kid. Okay, Sh- Shaminik is a senior this he year. He is a senior. That's what yes. I thought. So this is this is his offense next year at worst-case scenario. And I, I think they're going to be in good hands with the kid. I really do. Um, we'll see who else they bring in. But he's only a sophomore. So, you know, I guess he's going to have th- two to three years to play. I'm not really sure how that works. I'd have to look and see because I'm not sure if they're saying he's a sophomore now or going to be. I'd have to look at the roster because the roster says sophomore, but it says for the 2017 season. So I don't know how that works. I'll have to look. But I would think he would be a true sophomore. You know, he's transferring from Juco, so I would think yeah. that's what he would be. Um, so we'll see. But uh, he'll have at least two years to play, and it'll be his offense. So we'll see how that goes. And I, I don't know. I was just really impressed with the kid. He ran really good. Um, you know, along with him, they did some zone reads with some of the quarterbacks. That was more of the commitment to the run game I saw. Just overall, I was really, really pleasantly surprised and pleased with um, the other thing I really saw that kind of blew me away, Kingsbury was right up into the defense. I mean, he was right there, hands-on. And that goes back to me saying well, earlier, I think they're all all cards are in. Put all chips to the shove, to the center of the table. This is everything we got this year. He has to be. So, yeah. I mean, that's been his flaw the last, what, three or four years? Yeah. He's had good enough offense to The defense has been some, a joke. Yeah. yeah. And he just – and, again, that's been a criticism. He hasn't had a big enough hands-on approach with the defense. So I will say that 247 has a much more flattering picture. <laughs> 
Good. So good. we'll we'll run with that if we ever have a picture used. Good. Good. Yeah, because that picture was just awful. Um, uh, <laughs> just really shed him in a weird light. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's kind of wrapping everything up. Uh, we're getting ready to get into more spring games, and uh, we're gonna try to bring in some of the guys that cover these teams for you guys. So you ain't gotta listen to us babble the whole time. Uh, I apologize. We'll get some more guys here pretty soon that know about more about these teams than we do. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we wrap this thing up? No, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, well, next time we'll be back soon. I think we're going to try to get uh, a tech uh, wrap-up with uh, Seth Jungman or somebody to come on with us and cover the show. Uh, Gary, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought of something we haven't touched on. Uh, since our last recording, OSU hired a new head basketball coach. Oh, yes. We didn't, didn't even think, think about, about that. that. Mike, mm-hmm. Mike Boynton, kind of out of the blue. Yeah, and we'll get into that more. We didn't <laughs> yeah. have enough time to cover it this time, this episode, but we will get into that. Um, that was a really crappy thing. Yeah, it, was um, it happened like right after we, the day after I think we recorded our last one or whatever. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we'll get into that more. Um, anyway, we'll try to get Tech, a uh, guy from Tech, to come on and do the show with us. Uh, and then we'll get into some of these spring games. And uh, you guys seem to really like the uh, what, what's the word for it? Um, shows we do uh, interviews, uh, interviews, and shows like that. Yes. You know, on specific topics, specific fan bases. You guys really seem to overwhelmingly like those. So we'll do that. Especially uh, tech fans. Yeah, especially tech fans. So tech fans, we'll see what we can't do for you there. But uh, all right. Until next time. Hopefully we'll have. Oh, again. Hopefully we'll have our writers on too. Josh and uh, Hunter. Uh, we'll try to get them on with us soon. So. Uh, Until next time, I guess everybody say bye. See you guys.